This is a very serious podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Splanknicks. I'm your host, independent author Claire T. Walker, and this is my co-host, my daughter, Hannah Kubiak. Hello. All right, Hannah. Hannah is a theater professional and also an author, and we have been working on various projects, and we wanted to talk about that, actually, the process of making things, especially mm. handmade things. So uh, stay tuned. Welcome to Splanknicks, the Society for the Preservation of Literature, the Arts, Numinosity, Culture, Humor, <laughs> Nerdiness, Inspiration, Creativity, and Storytelling. Um, Hannah, since we're going to be talking about making things and doing things, uh, why don't we do input output we haven't done that for quite a while have we yeah we haven't uh let's see well i've been working on teresa's wedding dress oh yeah that's some handmade uh stuff right there yeah my, my sister's getting married in july and i am i am assembling her wedding dress so that's it's so very, nice very special so <laughs> i can't wait to see it yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. And in fact, the dress that I ordered for the wedding, uh, the mother of the bride dress, arrived, mm -hmm. and it may need some adjustment. It certainly needs to be hemmed. So Would you like me to hem it for you? I'm counting on you, yes. yes okay, I, I, will, I will hem it by hand, or by All machine, right. actually, is what I'll do. Yeah, yeah. Well, a sewing machine that you have in your, in your home, I, I believe that counts as handmade to me. I can tell you what I've been reading. Okay, yeah. I've been reading The Martian Chronicles. And I've also been reading 1984, which has been fun. <laughs> wow, 1984, huh? okay. Uh -huh. cool. I haven't read it in a while, so. Yeah, yeah, it's been been several years since I read 1984. Yeah. Um, tell everybody why um, you're reading Martian Chronicles, because I'm reading Martian Chronicles also. Really? What a coincidence. Uh, well, we happen to be reading Martian Chronicles because um, that is our book review book for May. So All right. we're going to be our next episode is going to be talking about the Martian Chronicles. So I guess I yeah. should finish the book. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I've actually been, I haven't been reading it per se. I've been listening to it. I found mm -hmm. a recording of it and I've been listening and it's really good. It's a, it's a 1987 books on tape recording. Oh, cool. It's quite good. I'm enjoying the, uh, the narrator and um, enjoying listening to that as I uh, do uh, some handmade things. I'll tell you what my mm -hmm. um, output has been lately, what I've been working on. I have been uh, sanding and refinishing a bench to go on the front porch. Oh. Remember that ratty bench that had all the white paint sort of peeling off of it and sort of bits? Oh, yes. You know, kind of the ratty bench. The ratty bench, yeah. I, um, I got a power sander and I've been, I, was, I sanded it a little bit. And so I've been painting that bench and that looks really nice. It's on the porch. It's all oh, spanking cool. new, bright nice. white. Yeah. So and then no the other thing. No longer a ratty bench? It's no longer a ratty bench. It looks quite nice. That sounds like, a, like that sounds like the name of some lady that they would interview in a Monty Python sketch. And now we will be talking to Ratty Bench. Hello, I'm Ratty Bench. <laughs> the Ratty Bench is no more. Now it's pristine, uh, beautiful, gleaming white bench. And and the other thing I've been working on my in my uh, my other output is um I've been uh, working um hard at 
my my book, my second uh, veterinary thriller novel. I've been getting the plot wrangled into shape because that was a uh, giving me a lot of trouble. But I I think I finally have it almost to the point where where I like it. Um, I I I divide books and stories actually into four parts. There's Act One, the first part of Act Two, up to sort of a, a halfway point, you know, a momentous uh, point of no return. And then the second half of Act Two, which leads up to a very horrendous or hairy uh, development, kind of a almost like an all is lost type of moment. And then Act Three follows that. So I've been, I've gotten Act One the way I like it. I've got Act the first half of Act Two the way I like it. What are you laughing about? I just realized that I've that I've been wearing my shirt backwards all day. <laughs> That's a funny thing to re- realize as we're recording our, our podcast. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll have a chance to fix that later. <laughs> yeah, not right now. I can't just like, <laughs> I mean, I could, I wouldn't need to take it off. I just like, <laughs> oh, Hannah, you're so funny. Oh, anyway, yeah. So then a, so I've been working on barely able three, to dress myself. That's me. <laughs> I've had act three written for the longest time. I, I, every time I look at act three, I'm like, I don't want to change really any of this. It's just so. I'm so pleased with it. But then the, that second half of act, act two, it's been, it's been murder. Mm-hmm. It's been murder writing yeah. that. Hopefully that'll be released uh, sometime before I grow old and die. Um, <laughs> I <will. laughs> so we're talking about handmade things. And um, I, I don't know why it, it occurred to me that this would be a good topic. I think just because it just is so wholesome and mm, it's so yeah. nice to talk about different things that, that, that people do. And, and it's, in our current uh, culture, we have a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of contrasting sort of preferences. Like some people don't make anything. They, they buy everything and they right, buy pre-manufactured yeah. everything. And other people uh, go to really extreme and they don't, they, 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 they try to hand make as many things as possible. So there's obviously a happy medium in there where uh, you have to do what's possible and what's what's reasonable mm-hmm. and what's um, feasible for your for yourself and your situation. Right. Um, yeah. um, and we are certainly in a position where we actually have a choice about that. A lot of times, I mean, it depends on depends on your situation. I've, you know, here in the modern America, yeah. um, being able to choose to make things is it's almost a bit of a luxury, isn't it? To have that yeah, option. actually, because it costs more to make stuff. It's Sometimes like a, it, it, it makes it special when you hand make it. Yeah. I mean, you know, Etsy, obviously that handmade um, marketplace, uh, a marketplace for handmade items and handcrafted items is, yeah. is a huge, it's huge. You're, yeah. You're I actually sold some things a couple of months ago. Did you really? In the winter months. Yeah. Good I'm not you. sure why, but it like, I just put a listing up that said like, that said, um, I will make you a pair of gloves. Just tell me what color you want them to be, and I'll make them for you. Oh, good for you, Hannah. That's great. Uh-huh. I, I wanted to read you something about, about knitting from this book here that I have. Mm-hmm. It's called A Handmade Life in Search of Simplicity by oh. William S. Coperthwaite. I'll put the, the title uh, book up here so you can see it. And this is different from the, from the Handmaid's Tale, right? Oh, yeah, very definitely. Okay. <laughs> See and I did here's, here's what here's what Mr. Uh, Mr. Copperthwaite says about knitting compared to hand methods, 
the quantity of material that machines can produce is incredible. As for quantity of material turned out in a given time, competition between machines and hand knitters would be ridiculous. And yet, hand knitting is one of the most efficient methods of production ever developed when all costs are considered. Oh. He's mad, you say, but read on. And he has a number of bullet points here. The outlay for hand tools is very small for, for hand knitting, while the cost of production machinery is a gigantic investment. This allows the tools of hand knitting to be available to all, making knitting a genuinely democratic craft. The handwork is portable. It can be done on the train or while visiting friends, or in your case, Hannah, while watching a movie or watching TV. I actually out. I brought my knitting to a movie theater once. Yeah, yeah. The knitter is not tied to a specific workplace. Knitting is quiet work and does not interfere with conversation. Its soothing, repetitive action does not interfere with thought. Mm. Knitting can be done at odd moments in the day when the hands are idle and desiring activity. Knitting is an extremely ancient craft that remains altogether viable today. This quality of timelessness adds to the knitting's incomparable, unquantifiable beauty. I think that, and, and knitting is a thing that um, has had a resurgence in recent years. I mean, I know that you learned to knit when you were nine or 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, I, I still, to this day, hear about famous people, for example, who, who knit, you know, actors, you know, movie stars. Yeah. Some of my favorite things that you've knitted for me are um, the, those fingerless gloves. Yeah. Um, I like the coziness of, of that. Well, speaking of people who, like famous people who knit, Charlize Theron, who was in um, Mad Max Fury Road, she would knit on sets between takes of that movie. And many of the war boys asked her to teach them to knit too. And so there's this picture of um, the the guy who plays the, the main war boy um, sitting on set knitting. That is awesome. I want to see that picture so bad. Yeah. you just. I to, love that movie. Just, yeah, just... I typed in Mad Max knitting and it came Did up. you really? That's so funny that she that she knitted offset and told her taught everybody how to knit. <laughs> yeah. I remember when um I went to one of your um one of your sister's plays at a high school and there was mm -hmm. a character in there who was learning to knit. Um I think it was supposed to be therapeutic for him. Oh and, gosh. and the, the high school actor who was playing this character was supposed to be pretending to knit. And it was so funny because it looked more like he was tossing a salad as he sort of, you know, you know <laughs> just took a bunch of a bunch of uh, of uh, a pile of yarn and just sort of stirred it up with the knitting needles. It was really funny. Tossing mm -hmm. <clears throat> a salad. So I um so the the this this handmade um idea is um it got me thinking and I was like, you know, I don't really do anything like this. But it occurred to me that there is um, an item of, of craftsmanship and handmade things that I do a lot of, and I've done it ever since I was really a teenager, and that is I, I cook. Oh, yeah. I that hardly is... ever buy ready-made food. That is true. That's, a, uh, that's an art. Was yeah. it on a podcast episode we were talking about um, how... My brother, Sergey, is uh, a chef in California, and he's like, like he's creative, but yes. 
really only focused on things for a very short time. Mm-hmm. So that's perfect for him because you cook, you make a plate and then you send it off and then you make the next plate and you send it off and it's sort of transitory, but it's still art. Oh yeah. So yeah. One of those and people- plates, like I, I like on his, uh, on his Instagram, he's always taking pictures of food, but unlike most people who take pictures of food, it's food that he's actually made. Um, and it all uh-huh. looks really like you won't almost wouldn't want to eat it because it yeah. looks so good. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, that's definitely, it's an art form, um, in his case, because he's, uh, he's a, he's a proper chef. I mean, he's a gourmet chef. Yeah. Every, every tool invented by mankind, right. Mm-hmm. Every is essentially an extension of man's hand or mind, right. Mm-hmm. For example, a, a pneumatic hammer, you know, a, a, a nail gun. Yeah. Drives a nail into wood or masonry, right? Yeah. So basically what that is, is a claw hammer on steroids, right? Yeah. And when you think about it, the claw hammer itself is just a fancy rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, a rock would have been what a primitive human being used to bash things that he couldn't bash with his hands, right? Yeah. Okay. A, uh, a jet plane, for example, is kind of like a horse and wagon, only really fast. Mm-hmm. Or like... Kind of like a, a horse and wagon cross with a ship, only really fast because it yeah. can go. I mean, any vehicle other than a spaceship, I guess, can do exactly what the human body can do, which is travel distances over land or water, only faster and farther and loaded up with cargo, right? Yeah, yeah. Like um, an, an airplane is uh, like a better, safer catapult. Yes. Well, <laughs> well put. Well put. Um, a, a computer for and also does exactly what the human mind can do store and retrieve information. Mm hmm. Uh, perform mathematical computations, yeah. manipulate data, organize information, only it can do it much more uh, quickly, more accurately, at, at greater volume and at greater speed, right? Yeah. And these days, uh, a computer often takes the place of a paper and pen and can even replace a drawer full, a drawer full of art supplies, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got your, your drawing tablet, your computer um, mm-hmm. drawing tablet that you can yeah. use. It's kind of like a Kind of like a, an electronic, like paintbrush or airbrush or marker, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can do, it plugs into your computer and then you've got just the one pen, but then you can make, you can use different settings to, it'll look like a, like a pencil, like a sketching pencil or yeah, like an airbrush or uh-huh. a, uh, or a paintbrush. You can have things look like they're textured, like oil paints or something. Yeah. So, I mean, but okay, so why did I say all that stuff about all those different, like every tool is just a, an extension of man's hand or mind? Am I saying that we should walk everywhere or that we shouldn't, um, you know, build houses with hammers no. or that we shouldn't ever use a computer? No. Um, no, I'm not saying that. But um, and because obviously all of these technological advances and all these tools have made it possible to to uh, live in a way that is um, um safer in many cases, more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we have to make sure, but we have to realize that what technology does is, is kind of distance ourselves from certain things that are very important. Um, mm-hmm. And so it seems to me that having a little bit of naturalness or homemadeness or even prim- deliberate primitiveness in your in your life can kind of be be good for you 
kids in fact do naturally so many things that and that as human beings get older they, they stop doing because children are when you think about it, they're primitive they they don't naturally uh necessarily use technology um i think that that having a child with a with a crayon and a piece of paper is i think i would prefer to see that than a child with a with an ipad and uh, i would at least want want them to learn what a crayon and a piece of paper is a, a lot of people are into gardening yeah and will grow food tomatoes are, are a very common yeah. you know thing to grow and uh salad vegetables are very easy to grow in a backyard garden yeah um i don't know if you remember this but um when i when i grow kale kale yeah. is a cold weather plant i can oh, remember yeah. going out into the garden and in my snow boots, knocking snow off the kale <laughs> and bringing it in to prepare it, to prepare it for dinner. It's very, very cold, hardy. It's a wonderful plant, yeah. and it it uh, it's it uh, you can grow it in the winter and, and harvest it in the winter. It's pretty funny yeah. as long as it's not too cold. You know, it wouldn't survive like you know a negative ten degree plunge or anything like that. But mm. yeah, we and are... you had a garden last summer. I did. Yeah. Oh, it was really nice. I liked doing that. And actually myself and my friend who we went halvesies on the garden, um, cause it was a community garden. We took it a step further and we made pickles mm -hmm. and we made salsa out of the tomatoes and yeah. the hot peppers that we, that we grew. It was a good time. I had some of those. I remember you brought me um, a couple of yeah. jars of those. Yeah. yeah. It was really, oh, yeah, really was delicious. Good. Did you watch that video that I um that I suggested I did, to you yeah, about the people who built a? I yeah, they built this. He little... said about he, how he said that everyone everyone should be able to build some sort of structure to dwell in because that's what people used to do. Uh, mm -hmm. We are it comes naturally to us. We are meant to build our own house, which I thought was kind of cool. That's an interesting assertion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm because when you said that, it reminds me of um, Little House on the Prairie books. Mm -hmm. um, many of the Little House on the Prairie books involve uh, the family, the Wilder family, moving and Pa building a new house for them. Right. Yeah. Wherever they happen to go. Um, Hannah, do you remember this book here? The Ox Cart Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find this book utterly charming because it's about a. Uh, a self-sufficient family, obviously mm -hmm. in, it, it takes place in, uh, looks like a colonial era, um, New England. Yeah. I want to, I want to read you the beginning of it. Okay. I just want to read some of it to you. It's called oh, the Ox Cart Man. Yeah. Story time. It's called the Ox Cart Man by Donald Hall and the pictures, these charming pictures are by Barbara Cooney. In October, he backed his ox into his cart and he and his family filled it up with everything they made or grew all year long that was left over. So here he is mm -hmm. loading up his ox cart into a covered wagon. He packed a bag of wool he sheared from the sheep in April. He packed a shawl his wife wove on a loom from yarn spun at the spinning wheel from sheep sheared in April. He packed five pairs of mittens his daughter knit from yarn spun at the spinning wheel from sheep sheared in April. He packed potatoes they dug from their garden 
but first he counted out potatoes enough to eat all winter and potatoes for, for seed next spring. When his cart was full, he waved goodbye to his wife, his daughter, and his son, and he walked at his ox's head ten days over hills, through valleys, by streams, past farms and villages. Until he came to Portsmouth and Portsmouth Market. He sold the bag of wool. He sold the shawl his wife made. He sold five pairs of mittens. So it goes like that. So he, he just, he sells everything that they had made. And, um, and he ends up selling the ox cart and the boxes that he brought the thing in. He sells the ox. And then he just goes back home and they start the whole cycle over again. They, they, uh, they plant uh, their potatoes and everything. And so it's just a, what this is, is a, it's a book kind of celebrating um, that sort of, um, basically what's what we know, what we know as subsistence farming. Mm -hmm. they, they, they basically handmade everything they needed and to live on. And then they had enough uh, stuff that they had made that they could sell it for, for money so that they could buy some things that they needed. One of the things that he buys in town is an iron kettle, for example, which is something that he can't make. Oh. I love that, that story. Um, you know, I mean, we, we don't want to romanticize that uh, obviously too much because if, if that book were completely realistic, you know, it could say uh, something like, um, you know, his daughter got smallpox the next uh, winter and, and died and um, his, 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 <laughs> his son broke his leg and had to have it amputated. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> could say all sorts of horrible things that happened. His wife people. suddenly was stricken blind. Yeah. Yeah. And he or, yeah. himself was attacked by bees. In some cases, I think that it's better for human beings to prefer what is real to what is virtual. Mm -hmm. To prefer what is homemade yeah. to what has been manufactured or purchased. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, certain things like, like conversation is certainly something that it would be better to do it yeah as real as possible um and yeah. and even even other health rated thing i think it's better i mean we know that that packaged and processed foods is is bad for people mm -hmm. it's much better for people to eat wholesome ingredients and wholesome foods you've prepared from ingredients you you, you obtained yourself mm -hmm. um yeah so mm. yeah i have one last thing it ties into what i believe was our second episode we yeah. talked about the idea of autumn. We talked about that Danish word, hygge, mm. which kind of means coziness. And we talked about sort of some things that make, some things that embody hygge, like being cozy, warm drinks, warm sweaters and mittens, um, being indoors or outdoors, uh, without technology, moving more slowly, you know, having things be simpler, having plants like living things in your home and also having homemade things in your home is one of them too. And I think that's because having a homemade thing, for some reason, when something is homemade, it just kind of feels different. It's sort of, it feels like not that manufactured things are less made, but it feels more humanly made. It feels more like it's connected 
to you as opposed to something that is just adjacent to you, you know? I, I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are things that, that you children made years and years and years ago. <laughs> Some of them, they literally, well, almost all of them have little to no practical use and, and they wouldn't be considered fine art by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. And yet I treasure them. Yeah. My mom still has things that I made Aww. and that my brothers and I made. <laughs> she still has them up on her wall or, or on a shelf. Yeah. Homemade things created by a child, especially capture a moment in that child's life. And uh, parents are, are frequently uh, loath to part with those things because mm-hmm. like I said, even though they don't have any practical use necessarily, they are, um, they, they're, they're precious in a way because they remind us of the child and they remind us of that moment and they remind us of that time in our child's life. Yeah. And in the same way, I think that antiques and ancient artifacts are going way back. Like like if you, if if you're an archeologist and you find a a pot or a, or a knife or a handle of something or, or, or a, a mosaic, something that an ancient person created. Yeah. Or like, I think they found some new manuscripts in the Dead Sea Scrolls, for example. What? You look at that. That is a treasure. That is a, a you can't even place mm-hmm. a, a monetary value on it. It is of immense value to to humanity to discover artifacts like that. And those are those were handmade. Those parchments were were hand, written by hand, and those those pots mm-hmm. were were spun on a wheel or formed by hand. Or those mm-hmm. mosaics, those tiles and those mosaics were placed by hand by by a person. Yeah. Or or like I was watching the other day. Um, uh, the, the Force Awakens. Yeah. And you know that final sequence where Rey is climbing the steps of the, uh, up to the, um, the first Jedi uh, uh, temple or school. Yeah. That, that was not a set that they built. They, they filmed that on the island of St. Michael in, mm-hmm. in, um, in, the, uh, in the ocean near uh, Ireland. That was, a, that was an old monastery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Catholic monks built all of those those structures those steps and those stone structures you know using the items that they found on the on this rocky island they cleared Mm -hmm. that island to build all of these structures and also throughout ireland and scotland and probably wales you can see miles upon miles of handmade rock walls handcrafted and, and in the process of clearing the land for farming and pasturing, they simultaneously created works of almost like folk art, mm-hmm. those, those beautiful walls. And uh, it, it's a magnificent, those are magnificent artifacts. And yet they were, they were practical, they, were, they served a purpose. Mm-hmm. And now I think there are you know, preservation societies, I'm sure, who do everything they can to make sure that those walls remain intact. Yeah. Because they're, they're, a, they're a piece of, of Ireland's history of what it was like to be a subsistence farmer on Ireland on that mm-hmm. rocky inhospitable ground to, to mm. you know move those rocks and, and and create some usable land out of it yeah so yeah, for sure um, that was quite a quite a, a mind <laughs> uh, my mind just wandered all over the place there but mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that you know any anything that I've you know handmade or or anything is going to have that kind of <laughs> artifactual and historical importance, but 
um uh but i think it's still good for people to make things by hand and yeah just to prove that you can do it almost mm-hmm. yeah do something and and you know do something with your hands so so um i guess i guess i would encourage our listeners to to do that to think of something that you want to do even if it's just you know getting a getting a recipe from somewhere either from an actual cookbook or from a, from a site online if you've never really cooked anything before going and getting the ingredients and and making a meal for yourself mm-hmm. yeah. or you know making an item of, of clothing or decoration for yourself in your in your house or you know going to the to this to the garden center and buying a pot and filling it with soil and sticking a tomato plant in there and and by, by the uh, middle of the summer you'll have some you'll have some tomatoes something mm-hmm. to eat <laughs> so or if you haven't got your guitar out for a while and you uh you want some music on your to enjoy your evening tonight mm. play play some music on your guitar or or your ukulele <laughs> yeah <laughs> play your ukulele <laughs> i haven't played my ukulele in ages actually we're, we're glad you, you joined us for this podcast. We do have, um, like we said earlier, when we started this podcast off, we are, um, Hannah and I are reading the Martian Chronicles. If you want to pick up the Martian Chronicles from the library or, or find it online like I did, I just, I just typed in the Martian Chronicles on YouTube and a recording came up. Join us, read it, listen to it. And, um, and we'll be talking about it at our next, uh, in our next episode. Mm, yeah. We should probably be in about two weeks if we... Hopefully consistent uh-huh yeah hopefully two weeks okay yeah. all right very good so uh so thanks everybody for listening um we hope you uh gotten some good ideas and some interesting interesting things to think about um during this podcast and um thank you so much and we will see you next time mm-hmm.